0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online church. It's always a blessing to be able to get together. Uh, today is Resurrection Sunday and we're celebrating the Passover weekend. Many of you might have traveled, but I bring you warm greetings from the leaders. And so we're also in a time with COVID-19 still sort of battering on the wall, lots of questions concerning vaccines, et cetera. I really just want to encourage us to preserve peace and to guard our hearts and to continue to understand that Jesus is Lord. I also want to just point to one of the announcements concerning prayer. Since tomorrow is a Monday public holiday, we will not be having prayer tomorrow, but the next uh, Monday we will have the men's prayer meeting. So men, please take note of that. We're going to have an exciting time together in the presence of the Lord. And then I also just want to remind you once again, that Connect is where discipleship takes place. If you're not in a Connect, make sure that you are not disobedient and rebellious in this house. Join a connect. Make sure that you sign up. The information will come on the screen so that you're able to pick up on that. And eventually we want you not only to be a connect member, but to have your own connect of two or three people that you're discipling and maturing in the Lord. Amen. And then just uh, good news all around. We're hearing so many amazing healing testimonies that are coming through. There's somebody that came uh, with fibroids and the fibroids just disappeared after prayer. There's somebody that was losing their hearing and they just got restored in their hearing. Somebody's life got saved from the threshold of death. And we are going to have a couple of testimonies coming through on the online platform as well as in the services just to celebrate the good God that we serve. God is a healer. He's always been a healer. He will always be a healer. And that is something that we are expectant for in our family. And so I want to encourage you never be discouraged by sickness and disease. Jesus already paid the price and it's only a a, a believing away. It's only a prayer away. Amen. So today we're starting with a new series and uh, I want to pray for us before we get into that. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the season where we're going to be focusing on, on the cross, on the work that you've done on the cross, Lord. And I thank you for revelation, understanding, Lord, that our hearts will be stirred up, Father God, knowing that you have done an amazing work in our lives and that we will be transformed because of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series called The Atonement. And it's going to have four parts. We're going to just see the revelation that the Holy Spirit is going to break open for us over the next four weeks. The first week will deal with the Passover origins. Uh, Obviously, many people know this weekend as the Easter weekend, but actually it's the Passover. And we'll talk about that today. Number two, uh, the second week we'll speak about the scapegoat. And the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, some of the uh, sacrifices that were done in the Old Testament which are typifying Jesus Christ on the cross. And then the third week, we'll speak about the evidence and the power of the resurrection, going in a little bit to see what's the evidence that that we have concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what's the power of the resurrection in our lives. And then week number four, eternal forgiveness. So it's going to be an amazing four weeks where the Lord is going to bring truth and the truth will set us free and elevate us to the next level of what God wants to do. Amen. And so we're jumping right in. Today we're starting with the Passover origins. Where does the Passover come from? Where does the Passover come from? And I've already stated the fact that we we don't celebrate Easter. I mean, you can buy the Easter eggs and all of that, but we celebrate the Passover. And it is amazing how Jesus was the only man, the only man who was born to die. The only man that was born destined to die. And the the Word of God says that he was crucified before the foundations of the earth. And God made provisions already from the realm of the Spirit concerning this special transaction called the cross. And I'm reading today from Luke chapter 9. We're going through a lot of scriptures, so follow me in your Bible or on the screen. I'm looking from Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And this is Jesus speaking. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day be raised to life. Can you see the imperative language that Jesus is using? He's not saying the Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected and he will be killed. He said he must be, he must suffer many things, he must be rejected, he must be be killed, and and he must and, and then he'll be raised to life. There's, there's an imperative here. It's almost like God is, is saying we are not bending here. And we're reminded of the time when Jesus is in Gethsemane saying that if, if if this cup can pass from me, let this cup pass. But your will be done, not my will. And here is the will. You must be killed. You must suffer many things and be rejected. Now, we're going to go right now into Exodus in the Old Testament where the Passover narrative actually begins. The prophecy about Jesus and his work on the cross starts in Genesis when God is meeting out curses as a result of the fall of man. And he says that the the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Speaking of Jesus on the cross. And so we're reading here from Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 through to verse 25. The account here is where God is sending Moses into Egypt to deliver Israel out of 400 years of slavery, 400 years of slavery. And so this is what it says. It says, then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my, let my son go, so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. This is radical. It puts the fear of God <laughs> in your heart to realize how God deals when, when he's passionate about, about something. And here is a reference to saying that Israel is my firstborn son. The Word of God says that that Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father, and he is the firstborn among many brothers. And so uh, later on, we'll see how God sacrifices his own firstborn, unlike in the time of Egypt, unlike in the time of, um, of the Passover. Eventually, God sacrifices his own firstborn son. Okay, so this was the, the, the mandate to Moses is go in, get the people out. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. And when he does, tell him that I'm going to kill his son because he he is not going to let my, my son go. Now we're reading on in Exodus chapter 11. Uh, Starting from the beginning, I'm going to read through and just pull out certain things that the, that the Lord, that the Lord is highlighting. And then at the end, we will conclude. This is here the narrative of the, the Passover. And what happened is Moses went to Pharaoh and started to tell him, look, God appeared to me and told me that you are to let the people go. And so, uh, Pharaoh has been hardening his heart, and what happened is Moses continues to perform the miracles and the different uh, plagues come upon Egypt until the 10th plague. So let's read here. It says, now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Verse 2, tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. Just as a sidebar here, it's so amazing that the scripture says that the Lord made the people the, the Egyptians to be favorably disposed. This is amazing how God's favor can come on your life and cause favor from men to come into your life. That's just for somebody Right there. Okay, then verse 4. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. So don't worry too much about what people think about you. Do what God is calling you to do. Amen. So verse 4. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. It's amazing here. He speaks in the first person. He says, I will go throughout Egypt. And then verse 5. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave from the top of the nation down to the bottom who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well, of the cattle as well, the animals as well. Verse six, but there will be loud wailing. There will be loud wailings throughout Egypt Worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. Verse seven. But among the Israel, but among the Israelites, not a dog <laughs> will bark at any person or animal. So in comparison to the loud wailing and the weeping that will take place, because I'm going to take the son of the firstborn in Egypt, in Israel, there will be peace. Not even a dog <laughs> will bark out of discontentment or, hey, there's a criminal here. Things will be well where Egypt is. And it's amazing that this has been a pattern. As God was dishing out plagues throughout Egypt, where, where, where Israel was in Goshen, there would be no plagues. If there were flies, there would be no flies in Goshen. I, 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 I'm trusting the Lord for such a favor. I hate flies. Anyway, where there were frogs in Egypt, no frogs in, in, And my wife also hates frogs. No frogs in Goshen, where there was blood in the water here, and just a preservation. This is important for you to see because we are looking at the Passover here, what Jesus is doing at uh, at the cross, and the result that that will have on Israel and on us. And then it says here, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Verse 8, all these officials of yours will come to me bowing down before me and saying, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. And then it goes on to verse 9. It says, the Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. And Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Now we see here very clearly that destiny and and God's sovereignty is prevailing concerning Israel. And it is very important for us to understand, regardless of where we are, what Jesus is experiencing on the cross is as a result of the sovereign hand of God. It is as a result of the work of God. Jesus says, no man takes my life, I lay it down. So he wasn't there just as a victim of violence and corruption. He was there fulfilling the mission of the Heavenly Father. Now we're going to go into the next part of the scripture and and we're going to pull out from the scripture the instructions and the details of what the passover was like at that time the kind of lamb that they were to use the kind of bread the 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 place where they were to to do it the the way they were to eat the the passover etc and so we go to Exodus chapter 12 now reading from verse 1 it says And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Verse 3, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household, if Any household is too small for a whole lamb. They must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. Verse 5. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Verse 6. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, at sunset. Then take, uh, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. This is so amazing. So right there, The blood of the lamb is going to be shed. The meat of the lamb will be eaten, but the blood of the lamb will be placed on the house where they will eat it, on the doorposts, and it's to be painted on the sides of the doors. And then it says in verse 8, That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. So that same night, they are to eat the meat roasted. Speaking of the fire, that is to consume the meat, not consume, but burn the meat. In the same way, the wrath and the fire of God that came upon Jesus, typified there, along with bitter herbs, right? The spices, yes, but bitter herbs, signifying the experience that Jesus, the bitter experience that he had as well. And then bread made without yeast. Yeast meaning uh the, 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 the kind of ingredient that inflates and brings pride or that fills the, the bread, makes it rise. The bread they were to eat is to be without yeast, without pride, without any self, without any deception. Amen. And then verse 9, it says, do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire. With the head, the legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is awesome. So the lamb is to be completely consumed, completely in its entirety, entirety consumed. And this is speaking about the experience that Jesus will have on the cross. And it says, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your right hand or in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is an escape meal. It is not a meal that we are eating and then we are Relaxing and uh, we're going to just have dessert afterwards. No. It is the kind of meal that brings you out of your situation. It is the kind of meal that, that rescues you out of your situation. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus is, is is suffering on the cross and he, he is availing his body and his blood for us to partake we are not to partake it as if we are eating just for enjoyment it is to be a sign of our exodus our our exit out of trouble hallelujah and then verse 12 it says on that same night i will pass through egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Just by the way, the plagues that were coming through were all against one of the gods represented in Egypt. And you can read up a little bit on that. And then he says, I am the Lord. And then verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Hallelujah. And this is the word Passover. It is not just a name. It means to pass over. <laughs> it literally means that God was going to pass over. That judgment was going to pass over. There are many of us that deserve destruction, deserve judgment, deserve the the wrath of God, deserve sickness, deserve all these evil things because of the, the, the way that we live, because we are fallen, because we are corrupt in our hearts. But here the word of God is speaking very expressly that this was to be a Passover. Not because of how great you became and you changed your ways and you now did this and now you are lovely and lovable towards God. But because of the blood of the lamb, he is going to see the blood, not see your face, not see your eyes, not see your behavior, not see this and that. See the blood. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that blood will cause him to pass over you. Hallelujah. And no destructive plague will come to touch you anymore because of the blood. So very, very important. Then it says, verse 14, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. Verse 16, On the first day hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. This is why we are also taking holiday during this time of Passover. Amen. And so it says, this is all you may do. Only prepare the meal. That's all. Have a bride with lamb and unleavened bread. And then celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because It was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you are to eat bread made without yeast from the evening to the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. You know, there's a principle that God is speaking here. And yeast many times represents sin. It says a ye- a little bit of yeast uh, leavens the whole lump. It represents sin, deception, yeast. And so uh, God is saying that that is to be removed. So when we're looking at Jesus, there's no guile, no deception, no evil in Christ Jesus. And he purges, he cleanses, hallelujah. And then it says, and anyone with a foreign... Foreigner or native-born who eats anything with yeast must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. All right, so we're coming to the last portion here. Then it says in verse 21, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your family and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of uh, some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. This is very significant because it's the same principle as the ark of Noah. You know, the ark is a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are to see ourselves in Christ, in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not to go outside. And try and present yourself on your own Before God and others You are in Christ Your old life has died I have been crucified with Christ I don't have a life of my own The only life I have is the life that I have in Christ And therefore God accepts me Because he sees me in Christ Anyone that is outside is going to get destroyed as the, as the angel of death is coming through But anyone in the house is safe And he says don't come out Stay in there from morning until night or or from the evening until the morning. And then it says, verse 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. How many of us really believe this is taking place because we are in Christ? Jesus is our Passover lamb and he has made the Passover a reality. We have passed from judgment. We have passed from death into life because of the true lamb of God. And then it says, verse 24, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. And when you enter the land that the Lord Will give you as He promised. Observe this te- uh, this ceremony, verse twenty-six. And when your children ask, here's a wonderful one, because we usually do all the Easter egg hunts and all the Easter egg bunnies and there's chocolate. I mean, for Passover we have to eat bitter unleavened bread and bitter hyssop with with, with some meat, but for Easter it's Easter eggs and chocolate and sugar. <laughs> And here it says, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. We are to use this time to teach our children, not about Easter, but about the Passover, that the Lord is passing over us even today. Those who are in Christ, the Lord is passing over. And on the day of judgment, the Lord will pass over us because we are in Christ. We are in the house of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Mm, Hallelujah. And then it says, Then the people bowed down and worshiped. Verse 28, the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon. Wow. Wow. And the firstborn of all the livestock as well. And verse 30, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. Wow. Can you imagine the largest, the most powerful empire, the empire that was built on the wisdom of Joseph, is now brought to its knees because of the sovereign God who is doing it for his son. What more? will God not do for his sons and daughters who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are gonna take communion today. I wanna encourage you to get your communion together and to share it with your family with this revelation in mind. This is the meal of the Passover in its truth and its reality. Over the next four weeks, We are going to go into the depths of this revelation and see the miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit to confirm this word that is gonna take place in our lives and in our church. And so the word of God speaks to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. We spoke about this on Friday and the message is online on Passover. We had communion then again. And look, if you wanna have communion every day, you ought to do it as often as you can, until the penny drops and you understand what the Lord is trying to do through the cross of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 22 to 27. The apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church who tends to come to church on the communion days hungry and also thirsty. Because they know "Ah, the church is feeding us today. It's communion. Communion wasn't like this small meal that we have today of, you know, just a small piece like this and a little bit like this. No, communion were big loaves and uh, there were some extras there. So people were coming and they were gorging on the food. They were not sharing it with others. When others come, uh, by the time they're at the table, there's no more. And they were eating it just like bread and wine. Some people were getting drunk on it. It says here, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. And so they were taking the communion just like some normal food and drink. And then it says in verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of the Passover lamb. Then in verse 25, it says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, or this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. In remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. There was a firstborn son that was killed for us so that we could have a Passover. And Jesus on the cross doesn't represent the sons and daughters or the the firstborn son of the Israelites. Jesus on the cross represents the firstborn son of the Egyptian. How can you say that? The Egyptians are not the people of God. Yes, Jesus on the cross (laughs) is typified as a snake on the cross. He's typified as the bearer of sin and curses. He's not typified anymore as just the son of God. The word of God says God made him who knew no sin... To become sin for us, so that we might be made the righteousness of God. And so, when Jesus is on the cross, he is taking, he is fulfilling the death that will be able to release us out of bondage. When Jesus is on the cross, he's also fulfilling the place of the sacrificial lamb in the house of the Israelites, in the house of the people of God, without blemish that is prepared specifically to be consumed, to be eaten, and out of which life and strength comes for the journey of Exodus. And it is so amazing how amazing, how how the word of God is, is opening us uh, up to us, this revelation of how Jesus is the lamb of God, the Passover lamb that takes away our reproach and keeps us from death and brings us into life and brings us out of bondage. Verse 27, it says, So then whoever eats the bread... And drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. What is the unworthy manner that they were taking it in? Just as if it was food. And so you, you take as much bread as you want. You get drunk on the communion. That is the unworthy manner in which people were taking it. Another version says, and another reference, it says, not discerning the Lord's body. Not realizing that this is the body and the blood of Christ. Just bread and wine. Oh, let me just, you know. Then it says you will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Because this is not just bread and wine anymore. It's the body and the blood of the Lord. And therefore, eating it in an unworthy manner, you are sinning. And, and in that way, you are pouring judgment or releasing. You are not partaking of this escape. This escape of the Passover, you are not escaping the same way that the Israelites uh, escaped. You are standing outside the house, eating your meat outside the house, while the Lord said inside, with that kind of respect and reverence for the body and the blood of the Lamb. And so let us partake, as we conclude, let's partake of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is life. There is life in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So we are discerning, Lord, today, Holy Spirit, that this is the body and the blood of Christ. Lord, wherever there's infirmity, wherever there's weakness, wherever a miracle is needed, let it be released right now in the name of Jesus. Wherever there's forgiveness that is needed, let it be released right now. There's somebody you need to forgive. Uh, Something happened just this weekend that was terrible. And it's, it's causing uh, a trauma in your heart. And, and the Holy Spirit is call, uh, calling out to you and saying, forgive right now because of the blood of forgiveness that is available to you. If you are sick in your body, this is the life. There's nothing else. The name of Jesus. This is the life that, that is imparted to us. If you need any miracle, any kind of breakthrough in your life, let's partake right now in that way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And let's partake of this cup that represents a clear conscience before God. Doesn't matter if your sins are as dark as scarlet, they shall be white as snow because of the the Lamb's blood. Thank you, Lord. As we are partaking of the blood of Jesus, I see people being, being set free from addictions. There's, there's people watching me, you struggle with addiction. And uh, uh, people have said to you, yeah, it's really hard to get free from this addiction. Right now, in the name of Jesus, is anything too hard for the Lord? Right now, in the name of Jesus, the blood speaks for you and sets you free right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak right now to your brain, your physiology, to come in line with the Word of God. Be set free of every kind of addiction in your life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So today is Sunday. We are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've spoken much more about the cross and the death of Jesus Christ. We will come to the place of the resurrection. But I just want to say that Jesus is alive. (laughs) He's a living Jesus. He's not dead. But as we are going throughout these four weeks, we are really going to soak ourselves in every subject. And the revelation of the Lord is going to meet our hearts in such a powerful way that we cannot but be changed and transfigured into the same image that we are going to see, which is Jesus Christ. And so may you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, Continue to read the scriptures with your family around the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Share it with your children. Watch the Jesus movies. Watch the Passion of the Christ. Acquaint yourself with this. And uh, there's, there's amazing revelation that the Lord is going to pour out. I see breakthroughs not only in the area of relationships, but many because of the cross of Jesus Christ that we're going to see and the resurrection that we're going to see over the next four weeks. May God bless you and we'll see you soon. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.